Welcome to this episode of Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips and tools for getting the most out of your research. I'm Adam Pawson, and today I'll be talking to you about the factors you need to consider for the perfect protein purification buffer. Unfortunately, purified proteins must be dissolved in a buffer solution when we experiment on them, and the buffer should keep them stable and active. This is the source of many headaches for protein scientists, as proteins tend to aggregate once removed from their native cells. When purifying a protein, it's important to keep it stable and active, happy as we like to say. This is essential for most intended experiments, such as activity assays, surface plasmon resonance, or SPR, and structural studies using cryo-M and X-ray crystallography. For success in these experiments, you must create a buffer that prevents protein unfolding and aggregation. Creating the optimal buffer is more complex than it might first seem, since the buffer needs to resemble the physiological environment of the protein to keep it active while being chemically simple because more ingredients increase the likelihood of one of them interfering with your experiment. To design the perfect protein purification buffer, we must consider the following five factors. pH, buffering system, salt, reducing agents, and stabilizing elements or additives. Let's look at each of these in closer detail. Firstly, pH. Many experiments are done at pH 7.4 to mimic biological conditions. If your protein is stable at this pH, great. If not, you must change the pH to find the conditions that keep your protein in solution. You should also consider whether your protein needs to carry a positive, negative or neutral charge for your experiments. To make your protein positively charged, make the pH of the buffer lower than the protein's isoelectric point, more acidic. To make your protein negatively charged, make the pH of the buffer higher than the protein's isoelectric point, more basic. To keep your protein neutral, make the pH of the buffer match the protein's isoelectric point. Remember, the isoelectric point is the pH at which the molecule has no net charge. The second factor to consider is the buffering system itself. Once you've decided on a pH value, it's time to decide on which buffer you'll use. The most important thing to keep in mind when choosing a buffer is to make sure that it has buffering capabilities at your pH of choice. Choose a buffer with a pKa value within one pH unit of your desired pH. Fortunately, we have an article that explains how buffers work and tells you their pKa's, and you can find a link to this in the episode description. The most important thing is to ensure that the concentration of buffer you are using is high enough to buffer the solution. Concentrations between 50 and 100 millimolar are common. Remember that the buffer you use should not interfere with the activity of your protein. This is especially important for SPR techniques. For example, phosphate inhibits kinases and should be thoroughly dialyzed out before performing reactions. Also, some buffers are sensitive to temperature. Tris is notorious for this. For example, if you pH adjust your buffer to pH 8 at 25 degrees C, the pH will increase to 8.58 at 5 degrees C and decrease to 7.71 at 37 degrees C. So if you plan to store your protein at 4 degrees C or do your experiment at 37 degrees C, consider that your pH measured at room temperature may be different under your experimental conditions. The third factor is salt. And breaking news, water is actually quite a poor solvent. Most proteins are not soluble in pure water and must be salted in. 
This is the process of increasing the ionic strength of a solution to increase the solubility of desired solutes, your protein in it. Therefore, a protein purification buffer usually contains sodium chloride to help keep proteins soluble and mimic physiological conditions. Generally, you include sodium chloride at 150 millimolar. However, during various protein purification steps, you may want to change the salt concentration. For example, if you are purifying your protein by ion exchange chromatography, you want to start with a low salt concentration, say between 5 and 25 millimolar. This will help screen ionic interactions and prevent the binding of unwanted proteins to the column, while enabling your protein of interest to bind to the column. In other types of chromatographic separations, like gel filtration and nickel affinity columns, you may want to increase the salt concentration. For example, up to 500 millimolar sodium chloride can prevent nonspecific interactions between proteins and the column. For less work in the lab, you can put your protein purification steps in order of decreasing salt concentration so that your final sample is your protein dissolved in a buffer with the fewest number of additional ingredients. You can change the salt concentration by dialyzing your protein into a new buffer. The fourth factor to consider is reducing agents. If your protein contains cysteine residues, oxidation could become a problem and cause protein aggregation. To prevent this, keep a reducing agent such as DTT, TCEP or beta-mecaptoethanol in your buffer. In general, TCEP is the most stable of the three, but it can be rather expensive. Consider using DTT in your buffer during purification and then adding TCEP to the final buffer. The typical concentration to use for these reducing agents is between 5 and 10 millimolar. You want to make sure that the concentration of the reducing agent is well above your protein concentration. And if you've got 10 millimolar protein, you're doing well. DTT and beta-mecaptoethanol break down at room temperature in aqueous solutions, so keep these buffers in the refrigerator. Alternatively, make the buffers without the reducing agent and add the reducing agent when you're ready to use the buffer. Also, make sure any resins you use are compatible with reducing agents. For example, high concentrations of reducing agents reduce the nickel in nickel columns and turn the column brown. The column can be regenerated, but your protein is not likely to bind well. Many columns have suggested maximum concentrations of reducing agents that the column can tolerate. Also, consider the length of your experiment and how long you need to keep your protein reduced. If your experiment lasts several days, but your protein oxidizes in a few hours, use TCEP. Finally, factor number five, stabilizing elements and additives. There's a whole slew of additives you can add to your buffer to help increase protein solubility and stability. You can try adding inert proteins like BSA to your buffer. This can sometimes stabilize a protein. You must first ensure that the protein you're adding does not interfere with your experiment. It may also help to increase the viscosity by adding agents like glycerol or PEG. These typically help prevent aggregation. Also, some detergents and other ionic compounds like sulfates, amino acids, and citrate can be used in small quantities to help shield ionic interactions and solubilize proteins. So there you have it. 
By keeping these five things in mind, pH, buffering system, salt, reducing agents and stabilizing agents, you are well on your way to creating a perfect protein purification buffer that will keep your proteins happy and active for any experiment that you want. So that's it for the five ingredients for the perfect protein purification buffer. Check out the episode description for links to related articles and resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get more help and advice from mentors at your bench side. Flow Stars is back with Season 4. The podcast from Bettman Kunt and Bite Size Bio and hosted by me, Peter O'Toole from the University of York. I'll bring you closer to the big names and the rising stars of flow cytometry and get to know the leaders and those rising stars outside of the lab and more personally. Grad school was a struggle for me, mostly because I wasn't sure what I was doing. I have, I don't know, 150 different spices, 130 cookbooks, so many kitchen gadgets. My kitchen is like a lab. What we do, we do it out of love for what we do. And that's a very different motivation. And I don't know that that's something you can teach. All this and more in season four of Flow Stars. Really hope you enjoy them. on the go but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research well look no further than listen in the podcast from bite size bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format with webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy with listening, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Listen In in your podcast app to subscribe.